0: On the surface, security seems like an obvious candidate for automation. IT systems are complex conglomerations of components, most of which are potential vectors for attack. Proper configuration, constant vigilance, and rapid response are essential elements of an effective security system. Automation helps security teams be more effective with those, and more. And yet, when security is an afterthought, or even just considered late in the development cycle. The odds of avoidable, catastrophic breaches go up. But solutions have been difficult to implement. In this episode, we hear from a security advocate at Microsoft about her effort to better integrate security into development processing. Prioritizing security is a tough balancing act. How do you keep your system secure without excessively slowing down development? The struggle over cybersecurity is a constant back and forth and automation is an absolutely essential component. Let's imagine you're leading the development of a new project. i have already mentioned to your stakeholders
1: that you're supposed to deliver a particular system by, let's say, 30th September. So you can imagine what happens if by the 29th of September, you identify a critical security vulnerability and then the security team um, goes ahead and tells the senior leadership team that they cannot, de- this product cannot go live with this critical security vulnerability. So what do you do? Do you sacrifice your
0: profits because of security? What would you do? The knee-jerk reaction may be to say delay the project and secure your systems, but there's a lot that goes into that decision. How likely is a breach? How much leeway do you have with the deadline? Are there other solutions available? It's not an easy decision to make. We're still seeing
1: 52% of companies actually still sacrifice cybersecurity for speed.
0: That's a lot. It's higher than it probably should be. joy Kirui is a senior cloud security advocate at Microsoft, and she's trying to turn that situation around. But let's flip that statistic. 48% 48% of companies are prioritizing cybersecurity over speed, given the frequency and severity of security breaches that reach the news. That's encouraging. While Joy-Lynn is currently on the forefront of the effort to improve cybersecurity, that wasn't always the case. I actually got hacked. <laughs> so
1: prior to getting into cybersecurity, I was a software developer, and I used to develop several systems for some companies here in Kenya, and then actually very many developers. I wasn't considering security at all when I was developing.
0: That was a turning point in joy career. She took it upon herself to learn about information security, or InfoSec, and incorporate it into her own coding, eventually turning to security as her full-time focus. But one shudders to think of the extent to which security is not considered. 44% of developers are still not yet trained to code securely. Oh, yeah, that's not great. And it's not an easy problem to solve. Jorlyn shared with us a common refrain in the InfoSec community. Security experts need to be lucky all the time. Hackers only need to get lucky once. Recruiting developers to help improve system security from the outset seems like a simple improvement. But reality is rarely that simple. So you see, yes, you still get the pushback from developers because
1: they're like, why should they care? They are paid to develop while you are
0: adding more tasks to them. Training takes time. Developers may feel like they already have enough to do to get their thing to work at all without also having to consider how someone else is going to try and break the system and bring the whole thing crashing down. For a long time, and for too many organizations, The relationships between developers, operations, and security teams have been contentious.
1: Traditionally, during when you're having waterfall teams or agile teams, what would happen is the developers would create a minimum viable product. And then after they develop that, um, it goes to the security team. And then the security team does security reviews, generates a whole report. I didn't send this back to the developers. So there, was, there used to be a lot of back and forth between developers and security teams until all the security vulnerabilities are fixed.
0: That back and forth takes time. Depending on the company's processes and the severity of the issues discovered, that time going back and forth can cause frustration, resentment, and delays. If only there was a way to avoid the angry game of ping pong. So by
1: implementing security automation within the development developer's environment, so if we can identify 80% of those security vulnerabilities from the developer's IDE, we will be narrowing down or reducing the time to delivery by reducing the back and forth between the developer team and the security team.
0: Automation can help catch a lot of the easy issues early on. That way, developers can fix them quickly and on their own. It's a little more work up front for a lot of time saved and frustration avoided later on. Joyland and security teams in general aren't there to maliciously slow people down. It's quite the opposite. They're there to deter malice, but they can't do it alone.
1: It's usually a lot of negotiation between the teams. What other safeguards can be put in place to help support the business? Because in my opinion, security is there to support the business. And we shouldn't be blockers in that way. We should see ways of being supportive. But if there are no ways of safeguarding, then yes, we would have to delay the delivery of the the product. But yes, so we're still seeing seven percent of operations teams are still pushing back on security best practices.
0: By now, most people have heard of DevOps, the merging of developer and operations teams and processes breaking down the silos, promoting communication and cooperation. And the end result is everyone is able to do their jobs better. Wait, everyone? No, not everyone. Not yet. So uh, you're always developing within a period of time,
1: pushing to the market, and then always building on top of that product and pushing a particular solution. So uh, that's a form of automation. But yes, we noticed that, yes, we are pushing many solutions very fast. But you're also pushing security, incidents, and vulnerabilities very fast as well. So that's why it was very important for what we call DevSecOps, or shifting security left, to come in place.
0: Enter DevSecOps, the movement to include security earlier on in the development process, and build on the success of DevOps processes. In a project's timeline, this is shifting security to the left. Automation like security plugins included in IDEs plays a big role in making devsecops possible. Automation also helps security teams monitor production environments, flag any suspicious activity, and quickly coordinate with developers and operations team on addressing any issues in theory anyways.
1: It's not all benefits for sure. We're still seeing teams still working in silos. The development team, they have their own agenda. They want to push as many features as possible and then the security team is there telling them that all these features need to be reviewed for security vulnerabilities. So yes, the whole aspect of DevSecOps is just, as I told you, it's just more of a culture change.
0: Automations to make work easier and faster only go so far on their own. It's difficult to overcome entrenched culture, expectations and goals. And that's not to say automation isn't a huge help to security teams. It makes penetration testing, for one, much more efficient. In the offensive side, we try to
1: automate as much as possible because it might take many, 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 many days to edge systems to identify the vulnerabilities. So we also have automation to see if it identifies a particular vulnerability, it goes further to try and exploit it. So we, if I do it manually, it will take me like a couple of days. But if we have some bit of automation, it may take a couple of
0: hours. Going from days to hours to complete these tests is no small improvement. Penetration testing is mimicking what an intruder might attempt, and they likely have access to their own automation systems. The faster you can find those vulnerabilities, the better chance you have of addressing them before someone else takes advantage. By using programmatic solutions,
1: you can be able to identify these threats for our own organization's security posture, and it also helps in performing charging of these security attacks and setting also a priority level on those security attacks. And then in some cases, it also responds to them in return. So they have visibility of all these logs in one place. Then now they can be able to do incident response, incident handling as well, to see what is the extent of damage of a
0: particular attack towards your environment, towards your ecosystem. When we come back, we dig into the balancing act that security teams need to perform when rolling out automations to help improve security. Hi, I'm Jeff Liggan. I'm the Director of Engineering for Edge and Automotive at Red Hat. Even 10 years ago, the chaos of running hundreds and thousands of containers in a cluster, it didn't feel like you could go from that to running just dozens in a car. But these days, it's coming. In fact, containers are a big part of the future vision of software-defined vehicles. And look, if we can get the container revolution to work in cars, then everything a cloud native developer can do today can apply to cars. This huge ecosystem of engineers can start to write applications for automotive. We can completely change the industry. This is why Red Hat's open source approach to edge computing is so important. The way we collaborate, the way we build together, it's already making some pretty incredible things possible. Learn more about them at redhat.com edge. Remember that statistic from the start of the show? 52% of companies are sacrificing security for speed? Delaying the project may not be a viable option for many, but leaving your systems completely vulnerable to a critical security vulnerability isn't really either, even if that vulnerability might never be exploited, if you're lucky. There are, thankfully, other options available. There's some ways around that as well. In some
1: cases, you would think of ways of mitigating so by mitigating i don't mean like fixing the security vulnerability at once it's just more putting more layers of security around that in terms of blocking it from being exploited so by blocking it from being exploited it can also be from the defensive side of security
0: those layers of security especially for the increasingly distributed cloud environments rely on a host of available automations as joylynn mentioned earlier Those include IDE plugins that scan the code as it's being written. You can be able to even go in and just search for security,
1: and then you'll see all the security plugins that are available for you to just install, and then it scans against your code base for security vulnerabilities. And then you also have pre-commit hooks. It prevents you from committing your code. For example, if it detects that you have secrets in your code, if it identifies that you have security vulnerabilities as well, it will prevent you from merging or pushing your code or committing your code until you have fixed all those security vulnerabilities.
0: Here's where things can get a little dicey. The goal of these automations is to address potential security issues early and avoid that angry game of ping pong. When it works as intended, everyone is happy. But if those plugins are too aggressive or not tuned properly, they can end up creating problems that weren't there. One such problem is the possible prevalence of false positives. I've seen scenarios whereby they deployed a
1: particular tool. It had very many false positives. So they were taking up a lot more time trying to fix those false positives than the time it took for them to actually build the code itself. So you can imagine that's just wastage
0: of resources. imagine you're working on your code you're getting ready to send it off to get deployed and you get a hundred errors indicating potential vulnerabilities as you're going through the list you realize about 30 of them aren't actually a problem because the issue's has already been addressed that's not a great experience because we are supposed to be
1: there to make it easier for developers we need to make sure that the tools that you're deploying to developers are are geared to their needs and they are not stopping their developer velocity as
0: well. False positives are unfortunately fairly common, especially when first integrating security automations into your work processes. Tuning those systems is an expected process. Over time, their prevalence should decrease. Just be careful of overtuning and making it too lax, or you could risk allowing false negatives through. Security absolutely prefers no false negatives and more false positives. With false positives, your system flags an issue that's already been addressed. With false negatives, your system fails to flag an issue altogether. It may be addressed, but it may not be. If it's not, and the code goes to production, you're vulnerable, and you don't know it. That's the scary scenario. How does that happen? It's probably something
1: that went wrong with the automation or the way the tool was automated. Because remember, this one is trying to get all the security vulnerabilities by running particular rules or by running particular... So you have like a particular database of security vulnerabilities and then it's running against your code base to see if it will actually match that behavior. So in some cases, if a tool is not... Mature and not tested as much, then yes, you'll see a lot of false negatives as well as false positives.
0: Too many false positives, and your developers may, perhaps rightfully, revolt. Any false negatives, and some hacker could get lucky and break through. It's not a situation with quick and easy solutions. Finding that balance will take time. Tuning your security automations is an expected part of the process. Off-the-shelf solutions are a template to adapt to your own system. First step, determine if it's a good fit in the first place. Do you need the features included? Is the system worth taking the time to adapt to yours? So that's why it's very important. Before you procure or you decide on a
1: particular product, it's very important for you to do a POC, a proof of concept, just for you to understand if it meets your requirements, if it has false positives, it, if it has false negatives, by running it against your your repositories just to understand the behavior and also reading what I will saying about a particular tool. So it's very important for you to do your due
0: diligence. Once you determine if it's the right tool for the job, you can start on the process of integrating it into your workflows. The security and development
1: team, they have to do what you call like, um, DevSecOps Maturity. In some cases, you get a tool off the shelf like that, and you integrate it within your environment and just use it as is. In these cases, you will find a lot of false positives. So how do we get those numbers down? You have to take some time to understand the behavior of the product and tweak the scripts for it to work within your environment. To reduce the number of false positives so yes you have to do a lot of research and go through the maturity to make sure that your adoption is well matured got it
0: research understand adjust repeat this is such a common process that there's a formal framework that's been developed to determine how mature your DevSecOps automation system is
1: so within DevSecOps, like OWASP have a framework called the DevSecOps Maturity Model. It categorizes your DevSecOps Maturity from level one to level four. So by the time you reach DevSecOps Maturity level four, you have like very few like false positives. The tool is very mature and it's working within your environment. The scripts are running very well. So yes, you have to take time just to do your automation very well and making sure that it's meeting your requirements.
0: We talk a lot on this show about how automation, at its most effective, is an ongoing process rather than one or a collection of one-off projects. That's especially true in security. Even when you hit that high maturity level, when the DevSecOps team is synergizing and firing on all cylinders, you can't rest on your laurels. So even if you're putting all these security measures, for
1: sure, there's nothing that's 100% secure. If someone wants to get in,
0: They will get in. It's just a matter of time. You'll never be 100% secure. But with a little help from automation, you can even the odds and avoid becoming an easy target. Next time on Code Comments, we hear from an automation expert at Discover who helped them consolidate their automation efforts, all the while navigating internal politics and the constraints of operating in a financial institution. You can read more at redhat.com slash code comments podcast or visit redhat.com to find out more about our automation solutions. Many thanks to Joylin Kirui for being our guest, and thank you for joining us. This episode was produced by Johan Philippine, Kim Huang, Caroline Craighead, and Brent Simino. Our audio engineer is Elizabeth Hart. The audio team includes Lee Day, Stephanie Wunderlich, Mike Esser, Nick Burns, Aaron Williamson, Karen King... Jared Oates, Rachel Urteil, Carrie De Silva, Mira Cyril, Ocean Matthews, Paige Stroud, Alex Trabulsi, and Victoria Lawton. This has been Code Comments, an original podcast from Red Hat.